Welcome to another episode of the OHL podcast, your premier source for OHL information online. Over there is Dan Mahar. My name is Mike Farwell. And I think we can thank our colleague, Jeff Merrick at Sportsnet 590 to the Fan and Sportsnet. He and Elliot Friedman on their 32 Thoughts podcast, Merrick getting Kitchener Rangers fans all at Twitter. I use that deliberately because he dropped a little nugget about Philip Mesar. Dan, thoughts on what Mr. Merrick had to say? Well, I think Mr. Merrick is about as good a source as you're likely to get in the CHL. And I, I, I hate to stifle Kitchener Ranger fans' enthusiasm before it even gets going. But I, I, for counterbalancing, I saw Arpan Basu of The Athletic wrote today that he has sources telling him that Massar himself has asked not to be assigned to the OHL. So Montreal Canadiens are currently dealing with that request. Um, now, Massar himself was asked about it and said he'd be happy with wherever they assign him. But take it for what it's worth. That's coming from the Montreal Athletic reporters. There might be a little bit of uh, mystery, I guess, still surrounding Massar. He would be a game breaker for the Rangers, but still far from certain that he's going to show up in the OHL. I like that uh, now we've got competing dueling scoops, too, between. between Merrick and the athletic and we'll see how it all works out. The other thing I'll add to this is, and Josh Brown wrote a, an article about it recently in the Waterloo region record, uh, having talked to Rangers general manager, Mike McKenzie, who suggested it would be premature to say that Mesar is coming to Kitchener. I'm just going to put this out there when news broke that Hunter Brustevich was going to be coming to Kitchener and it broke online, I believe from the school or the, the team where he was going to go in the States, uh, they were, or some some college recruiting, somebody was breaking it out of the States. I also checked in with Mike McKenzie at the time, and he said it would be it would be premature to say that Prostevich is coming. And a couple of days later, lo and behold, there he was. So take that for what it's worth, too. Yeah, and I and as much as I can piece together here, I'm 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 gathering that the Habs likely we're leaning towards sending him to Kitchener and let that be known to some some folks around the industry and there may have been a, a late wrinkle thrown into it with Meshar uh, requesting maybe not to go that path so so I'm, I'm gathering that's what's happening and there's some SHL teams apparently uh, vying for his his services this year as well so we'll see a lot will be determined in the next two weeks. As you mentioned, that would absolutely be a game changer for the Kitchener Rangers. And I'll just drop that here for a little tease because Friday's episode of the OHL podcast will deal with our Western Conference preview. Notice I didn't say prediction, but preview. We're going to get into our Eastern Conference previews here and we'll just run through every team and tell you where we think they stack up this year and you can determine how you want to place your wagers based on that. But when we're talking about game breakers, one more thing I want to touch on quickly, Dan, and you shared this with me on Twitter yesterday. I think your French might be better than mine. So it comes from uh, Marc-Andre Perrault uh, in Montreal. And he tweeted this video of Arbor Jack guy uh, in a preseason game with the uh, Ottawa 67s. Massacot a voulu SAA Jack guy. Mauvaise idée. Idea, whatever. Uh, SAA is try. Mauvais idea, idea. I'm not good with my French. Bad idea. Bad idea. Bad what idea. else we got in there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, what he's saying is that uh, Massacot decided to challenge Arbor Jack Guy, and it was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I got Jack Guy, bad idea. And I also saw the uh, two punch KO for Arbor Jack Guy, who this time, didn't do sleepy time or didn't do anything else, just skated to the penalty box. 
you know, he still he manages to make his enemies wherever he goes. And a lot of those Ottawa Senators fans were not happy with him because this this culminated from two what they considered to be semi late hits in the game that injured Senators players. Borderline hits, not not overly late um, from what I could see, but uh, felt rookie camp. Someone felt they had to step up and challenge him. Six foot four, 220 pound defender out of Schwinnigan steps up to challenge him and Arbor's meat cleaver hands uh, came through again. So. So there are a lot of Senators fans not happy with Arbor, but he's quickly making a name for himself as a, as a guy you don't miss, mess with. Uh, it's nice to see Arbor still being Arbor, no matter where he goes. And I think he solidified that reputation in this league, the Ontario Hockey League, and that's going to be his bread and butter. If he's going to make it to the next level, that's going to be how he makes it. Yeah, and and uh, just a lot of news coming out of these rookie tournaments that happened this week. And what I'm hearing from the Montreal Canadiens organization is they are a fair bit higher on Arbor Jacka than a lot of people who may have been OHL observers uh, think. I uh, think he's kind of a fringe guy, might make it, might be a career HLer. Uh, from what I understand, they see him as quite likely destined to, to be an NHLer sooner than later. I, I want to clarify what I just said, too. Yes, this will be Arbor Jacka's calling card at any level he plays at beyond the Ontario Hockey League, but it wasn't just his physicality and frankly, his ability to one or two punch guys onto the ice. The guy could play the game. We watched him develop in this league. And he was, as you and I, I think have argued already, Dan, in the past, probably the best Kitchener Ranger period, not just best Kitchener Ranger defenseman when he was dealt to Hamilton last year. I think that's the biggest issue I have with the narrative around Arbor Jacka right now from those that don't watch him. Uh, he's a dirty player or a mean player. Or he's going to, his physicality is all that there is to his game. This guy can flat out play. And I think he's trying to prove to the Habs once again, that, that he has the skill set to be an NHL defender and everything I'm hearing from an organization is they agree. It's great feet can move the puck. He made a couple brilliant passes in this tournament. Uh, the, the kid can play and that's, that's what he's, no one's going to go to the NHL anymore. If you cannot play hockey, there's no more meatheads there. It's a great asset to have. If you can stand up for your teammates, but Arbor Jack is a player. And I think he wants the world to know that. And these sound bites and things you see on Twitter are not helping his, his cause and reputation, but the physicality is just a piece of his game. He's got a, he's got a well-rounded game. I mentioned that you can see this video on Twitter. If you haven't already, I am at, Farwell underscore OHL. Dan is at Tim Wallach, just like the former Montreal Expo. And feel free to send us an email anytime through this podcast. If you've got a suggestion, some constructive criticism, a guest you would like to hear from on a future episode, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. Also, like, subscribe, tell a friend about the OHL podcast. We are just warming up for the season ahead. So let's dive into, and we'll start with the Eastern Conference. As mentioned, Western Conference comes with Friday's episode. We'll go alphabetically, Dan, and start with the Barry Colts. When you think Barry Colts this year, what do you think? I think top of the conference is first thing that comes to mind. I think the Barry Colts are geared to be a contender this year, and I think a lot of that's going to come from their older players, obviously. So the overage crew, Cardwell and uh, McDonald, sorry. Uh, thinking of Joe, uh, Declan McDonald coming back. If if they come back as expected, they're going to lead the charge. And Barry looks loaded for Bear. A lot of talent in that lineup. Um, Already starting to show it in the preseason. So when I think Barry, I, I'm thinking you've got a contender right there amongst the top two or three in the conference for sure. It's interesting. And so that almost starts with prediction on these previews. Top of the conference, perhaps, for the, the Barry Colts, which I kind of thought, and I think a lot of others did coming into last season, they were going to be contending for the Eastern Conference title. I mean, look, a lot of factors came in, including injury, and it was a weird year all around. 
and they certainly weren't doormats, but I don't think they accomplished what they set out to accomplish last year. No, they had, they had a lot of hands dealt their way that weren't necessarily the best. I think Tyson Forster being assigned to the AHL was a, a huge blow. Uh, they were expecting him to lead the charge for them last year. When you take a player of that caliber out of the lineup, suddenly your plans change pretty quickly. And I think you, you saw them make a few deals throughout the year. Uh, there was a suspension to Brant Clark. There were, there were a few things that, that played into Barry's season last year that, that weren't according to plan. So I'm kind of giving them a bit of a pass there. Um, but I think absolutely this year they're, they're firing for the, for the conference title. And I don't think anyone's going to be thrilled if they don't uh, get it. Anyone in Barry that is. You mentioned Brant Clark. His is the name that comes to my mind, not to make it all about one guy, but I mean, he's a first rounder to the National Hockey League with the LA Kings. This is going to be Brant Clark's team as the captain to carry through and see what they can do this year. But Declan McDonald, really nice supporting piece. And you mentioned what they've got in terms of their overage presence there in Barry. Okay, let's move on alphabetically and we'll go to uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs. And I'll start on this one because I'm going to go completely off the ice for a moment. I'm really interested to see uh, what Jay McKee and his staff get out of this rebuild. Not that I have any doubts about their abilities as coaches, because of course we saw them in Kitchener, but when last we saw Jay McKee in Kitchener, it was a team that went one game from the OHL final, that game seven West final double overtime against Sault Ste. Marie. They fall just short last year. You could argue was a bit of a redemption tour for Jay McKee back in the Ontario hockey league. And they got to go all the way to the Memorial cup this time where they fell short in the final, but it's going to be a whole different mentality and approach. And I'm really curious to see how Jay McKee gets that team ready this year. Yeah, this will be a re first really big test for Jay McKee. Cause I think uh, you could look and say Mike McKenzie really dealt him a great roster in that year when they challenged Sue, he had, he had some raw hands dealt to him in that playoff run as well. But last year in Hamilton, I don't think there's any arguing that was the best team in the Ontario hockey league, the, the most stacked roster. And that's not to take anything away from Jay McKee. He got a lot out of them and took them to the Memorial cup. This year's going to be different. And I think a lot of people are expecting complete crash. They lost so much talent. They're going to be bottom of the barrel. I, I don't know. I, you don't often see a team go to the Memorial cup and then com completely crash down. There's just too much experience gained through that process. And, and a lot of players coming back that saw what it takes to get there and, and that expedites the development of players often, that winning culture and going that deep. So I expect some players you don't think of off the top of your head will, will have big years in Hamilton. And, and they might not, I'm just going to say they're not going to be as bad as I think some people expect they will be. Well, I think that's a really good point too, with what you gain in experience through a run like that, no matter how much ice time you're really getting, there's just something about being around that kind of winning culture. And I think the the Hamilton Bulldogs are a really interesting story in junior hockey when you consider the cycle because of course they were the OHL champions that year 2018 when Jay McKee fell just short with the Kitchener Rangers and four years later right back there at the top of the heap so it might be you know I think Steve Steos deserves a lot of credit for the way he's assembled the team and this is the kind of organization that that may take a, a step back but won't as you said come crashing down after a run like last year yeah I, I think there's uh Plenty of reason for fans in Hamilton to still buy your tickets there and, and have a look. You're going to see a lot of players that uh, that were taught a lot of things last year that will will help them. So you, it's not often you see a complete crash after a year like that. So so expect some reasonable results out of Hamilton. Certainly not uh, not the year they had last year, but it won't be a disaster. Okay, the post Shane Wright era begins in Kingston. What have you to say about the Frontenacs? 
well, assuming it's the post Shane Wright era, I guess is the first thing. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a well, well, we would give it a 10% chance he he returns, and uh, that would be great news for Kingston because when you look at that roster, talk about lost talent there as well. They had a pretty dynamic top six forwards last year, and about five of those will be gone if Shane Wright sticks in Seattle. So. I also don't love the way they played last year. I thought they had an underwhelming playoff. I think they did a lot of things. Uh, they repeated a lot of mistakes in that playoff run. Um, whether you want to pin that on, on coaching system, the players themselves, find your, your person to blame or your people to blame. But I think when you have an underwhelming year with that much talent and then you lose a lot of that talent, uh, I'm not, my hopes aren't as high for Kingston as some. I know a lot think that there's still a lot of talent there that they could come through, but it's going to be, show me before I really am picking you to to do much this year. Yeah, and I may have just, you know, rang the death knell here by saying the post-Shane Wright era, when of course it's not guaranteed that it will be, one would suspect that it is. You mentioned you got like a 90-10 chance against him coming back. More than anything, what I'd like to see, and this podcast may not help out a ton, but fan support. I, I, for the life of me, have never been able to figure it out. You talk about how dynamic that offense was. That top six last year was a ton of fun. They were great together. They were putting up points. And yet every time you saw a Frontenac's game, it looked like dress as a gray seat night because the, the stands were just empty. It's, it's a great barn. It's a fantastic city. But for some reason, the Frontenac's just haven't been able to capture the imagination of Kingstonians. No, oh, that's an excellent point, Mike. And I, it, we, we talked about it in previous podcasts, and and you'll see when we go through this, this, these teams in the Eastern Conference, and that might, that topic or that theme might come up a few times of what would these teams be like with fan support, with strong fan support, because I, I believe it's a factor. And you see these teams that are playing in front of full or fuller buildings, they seem to get more out of their troops uh, more often. And there's a few teams on this list that I think could do something special if the fans get behind them and and Kingston <laughs> as much as anyone. Get out there for a game in Kingston at the Leon Center. I almost called it K-Rock. That's old. I'm old. Get out there for a game. It's a great environment. Hey, I'll tell you what, we're going to be there week two. By we, I mean the Kitchener Rangers, the team I broadcast for. So I'll be in the building. Bonus points for any fan that's holding a sign that says, I listen to the OHL podcast. Like, I don't even know what I would do (laughs) if I saw something like that. But if I see it in the rink on October the 8th, I think is the night we're there. uh, That would be amazing because it is a great place to see a game. Okay, moving along to Mississauga. Again, I'm going to go completely off paper about this other than to acknowledge uh, JR, James Richmond, and the reigning OHL coach of the year. We're going to find out what he's made of because maybe the uh, Mississauga Steelheads played a little above expectation a season ago. So the pressure mounts from one season to the next. They decide that uh, Joe Ranger is expendable as a goaltender. He gets traded off to Sudbury. But where I'm really going off paper here is I'm going to call the Mississauga Steelheads the early contender for all name team in the OHL. We've got a Finn Harding and a Parker Von Richter. Bring it on, Steelheads. Wow, and you didn't even mention Luca Del Belbaluz. I mean, that you've got you've got names coming out the wazoo in Mississauga, and and yeah, I, this is one where I make a little off paper here too, Mike. And and I know this isn't a prediction pod; this is more a, a just a preseason chat. But I I have Mississauga right at the top of the heap. I think there's some really good things to come with this squad. They're returning an awful lot of players, and I think an awful lot of players who fit the profile of kids that are going to step from mid league to elite this year. And in a previous podcast, I mentioned Owen Beck had a, just had a terrific rookie tournament with the Habs. I, I think he's going to be 
honestly, he could be a top 10 player in the league this year or better uh, just with his 200 foot game. And I'm looking for an offensive explosion this year. Just mentioned Del Balbaluz. He put up a ton of points last year. They've got Del Mastro on the back and uh, coach Richmond had them, had them working. Uh, last caveat I'm going to throw in about the Mississauga Steelheads, who I see near the top of the conference, battling those top two or three spots probably, is that fan support you just referenced. Get behind them, folks. Go to fill that building and see what you get from that team because I, I have a feeling that team is capable of some really good things this year, but get behind them. Yeah, school day games and when the right team comes in from out of town that brings some fans with them. I mean, we could go as far back as 2011 for that when they were calling what was then called the Hershey Centre, the Bayshore South, because all the Owen Sound fans were coming down for that OHL championship and Memorial Cup. I'd love to see that change if this isn't an endorsement for that, as Dan thinks this is going to be another Eastern Conference team near the top of the heap. The only thing I don't like about Luca Del Bell Belouz is that I don't get to call his name 68 times a year because I could have a ton of fun with that one. But a uh, great player indeed and a lot to like in Mississauga this season. And we'll see what kind of jam they have after maybe exceeding expectations uh, a season ago. Okay, let's continue on the Eastern Conference list again, alphabetically. Uh, Niagara Ice Dogs, you start us off on this one, Dan. Niagara Ice Dogs are an interesting one for me. I All over the map and where you might expect this team to land this year, the, the obvious answer might be they were so dreadful last year that it's going to be a bit of a rough year, but you're just looking for a few steps forward. Well, there were a lot of reasons. I think they were dreadful last year that we won't recount all of them, but I think this is a new ownership group and they're looking to make a splash as we've seen with three overage player acquisitions and a few other acquisitions along the way. They've totally reshaped the team. They're looking to, to make a statement. A couple of players there that are probably poised to have a fairly big uptick in offense. So I don't think we're looking for contention this year, year from Niagara, but I think we're looking at some strides, some definite strides. And I think there's enough players there that they're going to, they're going to make a little noise and they're going to entertain the the fans down in the peninsula there. So I uh, just not, don't look for anything too special out of Niagara this year. I like how you talk about the way the team has been reshaped because frankly, I don't know what to call them in terms of the number of new players that have come in all of the acquisitions, but I like the fact that they're, like really making a point about turning that page, right? New ownership, new management. Here we go in St. Catharines. Here's something interesting uh, with these five acquisitions. Let me know if you can pick up the common thread between Pasquale Zito, Nathan Rebo, both former Spitfires, of course, and Rebo as a defenseman I liked an awful lot uh, last year. Nolan Dan, Cambridge kid, comes from Sarnia, joins the Ice Dogs. Owen Flores, most recently, of course, in that deal with the London Knights, and Matt Pappas, former Guelph Storm. So you've got Pappas, Flores, Dan, Pasquale, Rebo. Can you pick up the common thread between those five guys? Well, there's probably a few, but the one I'm hearing is all teams from the top of the heap in the Western Conference, that combative Western Conference. So that's not a bad uh, place to mine your talent from. I know it's the oldest saw in the book, but I'll think back, and I've, I said this at the time, I think we probably talked about it, Dan, the 2015 Oshawa Generals that went on to win the Memorial Cup at the trade deadline that year. What did they go and do but add a bunch of guys, four if I'm not mistaken, from the Western Conference. They mined the Plymouth Whalers, they mined the Kitchener Rangers, they mined the London Knights to bolster their roster. Yeah, and to bolster their roster, right? And look, is West best? Is East least? I don't care. I just think there's something to watch here with five guys from the West joining the Niagara Ice Dogs in the East and the other thing to keep your eyes on 
literally watch for in St. Catharines is Wayne Gretzky himself. I don't know if Darren DeBobbler, the new owner, is just trying to sell tickets or not, but we know that Wayne has a minority stake in the team now. And Darren has said in previous interviews that, oh yeah, Wayne will be around. It's not like there's going to be a schedule, but he'll show up from time to time. And let me tell you what would happen if Wayne Gretzky showed up at the Meridian Center. <laughs> he play is the is the question um, exactly no absolutely yeah and and you're, you're right that uh, that's an ownership group that came in and the number one thing they did and i never mind this style of management management is they identified a, a plan something they wanted to do talent they wanted to target and clearly they had a plan with the five players you just named and they went out and did it so i have no problem with that type of aggressive focused management so we'll see how it turns out for them all right, North Bay Battalion this season. I'm going to go uh, family ties here when I talk about North Bay. After I admit to the soft spot I have for the city, the arena, the franchise. I mean, first of all, the franchise. When I was a kid, and I'm sure you're going to attest to this, Dan, watching those North Bay Centennial Kitchener Ranger playoff series, and even just the games was just, oh my gosh, were those fun games. That's what... That, those are the formative years of, of developing fandom for junior hockey. So you had Burt Templeton and the Antosky brothers on one side and, you know, the Kitchener, Ranger, <laughs> Kitchener Rangers and Rick Elaine on the other side. Oh, man, was there a lot of fun back then. But also Don Cameron always told me because when Don and I started working together, of course, uh, North Bay was no longer in the league. Right. They had fled to Saginaw by that point. It was the Brampton Battalion. And Don just talked about the way they maintained that arena in North Bay. He said, you could eat the popcorn off the floor when you're there. So I always just have that soft spot when I'm up there and they still have done a fine job. They've obviously updated the arena, but it's a, it's a nice spot. And I really like in the post Stan Butler era, not that there was anything wrong with Stan, great guy to sit around, talk hockey with. He had a long junior hockey coaching career for a reason, but Adam Dennis is the GN, Ryan Ulihan is the head coach. I like what they've done with the team. I like the direction they're moving it. And this is all just some background to get me around to Justin Ertle, son of Tyler, former Kitchener Rangers slash North Bay Centennial, and the Ertle family ties are binding in North Bay. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned that era with Tyler was playing up there with the Antoskis, and let's say in that those formative years when we were watching the OHL, the Antoskis would have been for me at the time the what Arbor Jacki is to a lot of other fans in the OHL now. And in hindsight, you really appreciate the game they brought and the the excitement that North Bay brought to town every time they came to any building. Uh, and the Ertle, seeing the Ertle name live on there is 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 kind of special, I think, for you and I, Mike, and 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 probably for him, for Tyler. So watching his sons play. So I will, I will give a nod to North Bay as probably the, uh, in, in a week when we lost uh, Queen Elizabeth II, that the last arena that kept her, her portrait on the wall, there's some, there's some uh, nostalgia there too. Um, but the team that they're going to put on the ice is another team I, I expect will be up near the top of the conference just based on a, a great assembly of talent there. Uh, pretty strong team last year, ready to take a step. The question mark, of course it's going to be where can they replace the off offense that they're losing in Brandon Coe? There's a hundred points there. They got to find uh, that said, if, if, if they can find them, I don't see a lot of big holes in their lineup. Uh, there's another portrait of the queen in Sudbury as well. It's one of the, the charming parts about going on the uh, Eastern swing. And there's uh, Oh, and by the way, I'll, uh, I'll pay admission anytime to see Ty Nelson, right? The defenseman up there. 
Ty Nelson is. Ty Nelson. I was trying. Yeah, he's worth blanking the on the name. Mentioned. Blanking on the name for a second, but him at last year's prospects game alone. If you haven't seen it, go back and find it on the internet somewhere. But Ty Nelson mic'd up was a thing of beauty. So that kid right there, I'll pay my twenty-five bucks any old Saturday night or Thursday, like their home games up in North Bay. Go enjoy that kid. He's a nice young talent, good hockey player. Uh, mentioned the Queen in, in Sudbury. There's also another Ertle on our next team, Jordan, playing in Oshawa. First thoughts to you, Dan, on the Gens. Yeah, the Generals, uh, they're one of those teams that always finds ways to be competitive and bring in talent. Yeah, you, you mentioned Jordan Ertle's playing there, and we've spoken at length on previous pods about Callum Ritchie and some of the other talent. Brett Harrison's there. You've Stuart Roloffs might be poised for a breakout. I know he, he's been underwhelming in his career based on his draft slot so far, but you've you've got some talent there where they're a bit of a question mark for me. I I, I wouldn't know where to put them in the prediction thread yet, uh, other than to say I don't I don't think we're looking at a top half team, but where whether the kind of mid pack or or near the seller is up to what, some of those names we just mentioned and what they can produce. But Oshawa seldom is is near that bottom, so I. I think they're going to they're going to give some teams fits this year. They're just not looking to be a contender, I don't think. I didn't want to make it all about Callum Ritchie. We have talked about him on previous podcasts and I don't think he is going to surprise or catch anybody by surprise in this league. Everybody knows what Callum Ritchie is capable of and what's expected of him in Oshawa this year. So I'll just park Ritchie over there because we know what he's all about. I'm going to look behind the bench. I'm really curious and we've talked about Derek Laxdahl as well on previous podcasts, but this guy I liken him a little bit to Ted Dent in Flint. And again, we'll get to the Western Conference in our podcast episode on Friday. But he he comes in, and and Ted had been in the National Hockey League and through the ranks prior to landing in Flint. But Laxdahl is coming right off of the bench in the National Hockey League, right out of Dallas. An assistant, mind you, but still. From there into the head coaching role in a pretty proud junior hockey market. And I just want to see how his style translates to the junior game, what he gets out of a team that, as you've acknowledged, might not be expected to be near the top of the heap, but rarely is a disappointment. So I'm just going to see what uh, what the influence of a coach like Derek Lastall brings to the Oshawa Generals this year. So that's what I'm curious about on that side. Yeah, very, very wise point because coaching is an extremely underrated factor in junior hockey. You can get some coaches that get an awful lot out of players, uh, that weren't you weren't expecting so Laxdahl's the x factor in, in Oshawa we'll see should you and I go back to all of those debates we had about that very thing over the years I mean many a road trip you and I over a couple of beers we're talking about the influence or lack thereof of a coach in a hockey game so I I think I've really come around more to your argument because you're the coach and I'm not but anyway we'll <laughs> see where Derek Laxdahl lands with this Oshawa team all right from Oshawa up to the nation's capital in Ottawa. And again, for me, it's it's all about the off-ice side of things. And Dave Cameron is an intriguing guy to me because we already referenced Mississauga earlier when Dave Cameron, of course, was there and they went to the Memorial Cup and lost in the final. He spends some time in the National Hockey League, comes back and takes over for who else but Andre Tourigny in Ottawa. Huge shoes to fill. And Dave Cameron approaches the game in a way that I always thought was a little bit similar to Stan Butler seems to be a defense first kind of coach. So what kind of team do we get other than a very defensive minded team in Ottawa this year? I'm not certain he's got the firepower to be much else, but that's my two cents on that. Your thought on the 67s. 
Yeah, an excellent point on the coaching front. Dave Cameron's been around a long time, knows what he's doing. Unlikely you're going to see him have a bottom-of-the-heap team. Ottawa could stand to be a little stronger at center, I, I believe. I, I, they've not, like you said, not a ton of firepower, but I see an awful lot of ability to prevent goals there, uh, which is going to fit right with Dave Cameron's motif. But there's also some intriguing players there that that could take a next step forward. And and when you look at, I know it's unlikely, but imagine if Marco Casper ever showed up there, which is not completely uh, ruled out at this point. But it, throw him into that lineup one of a few wild cards in, in the OHL this year, where if that player shows up, suddenly that team is a lot better than, than you think. And then the other piece of course, is there's still an open overage spot to fill there. And depending on how they, how they fill that, they might be waiting to see whether any of those other players do show up before they decide what to do with it. But I'm looking at Ottawa and I know a lot of people think the bottom of the heap or lower, lower tier in that uh, conference, but I, I see some ability there to at least, at least fight for mid pack, I think with the talent they've got. All right, from the nation's capital over into the Kawarthas and the Liftlock City to the team that, for my money, best unis. That original Pete's logo maroon with the white trim, best unis in the league. Loved them since I was a kid. What do you see from the Peterborough Peets this year? You know, this this one stumped me a little bit when I was thinking about the Peterborough Peets because I think a lot of a lot of people see them near the top of the conference this year, and I. I believe there's a lot of potential to do that and it's it, there's a lot of question marks for me with Peterborough though uh they made some moves I mean you got some dynamic talent with players like Tucker Robertson you brought in Connor Lockhart who's got a loads of skill just is he going to piece it together in Peterborough um started to towards the end of the year and even in the preseason this year so there's there's some ability there especially like Chase Stillman you've got some players there so I, I see a team that on paper to me definitely looks like they can contend for the top of that conference but I know as fans in Peterborough would say over the last few years it's going to be a show me thing though because they've had some talent there in the last few years that that hasn't materialized so so they got to prove it well and and that's just it you talk about they've had some talent there and when I look at the Peterborough Peets I, I'm glad I, I love that you mentioned Tucker Robertson and you stole my thunder on Connor Lockhart there's a guy I loved in Erie I think it's just a real nice hockey player but when I look at the Peets I look at Emmett Spruill and Mason McTavish who are of course no longer there McTavish not through graduation they traded him got a nice return for him but obviously giving him the chance to compete with Hamilton last year and while you have those other elements on paper that you alluded to, Dan, there are some of those intangibles that that you lose, not just with the talent, but a Spruill and a McTavish and, and what they meant to the team and how they carried themselves and and the other guys maybe knowing that, ah, we can always count on McTavish for a couple of points. Well, you can't do that anymore. Now it's your turn to be the guy that the others are counting on. So I'm with you. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of waffling a little bit on the Peterborough Peets. Love the city. Love the arena with the crazy corners. The goaltenders can't stand it. The defensemen get all messed up at it, but lively boards there. Lots of fun to be in it. Great history and tradition, of course, in Peterborough, but I'm, I'm just not sure what comes out on the ice. We could be pleasantly surprised, I suppose. I suppose, yeah. You, you well, very well said, and I couldn't agree with more on the community. The community deserves a winner there. Great, great fan support. Love the uniforms, classic uniforms, all with you there. They know what a corner is in Peterborough. Corner is a corner in Peterborough. But yeah, it, again, it's just a, it, there's, there's got to be seeds of doubt just based on recent performance. And, and so that's going to be a, a wait and see. But they look to me on paper like they could be there. 
All right. The final stop on this Eastern Conference preview tour is, of course, in Sudbury, home of the mangy wolf on a wire that I hope they retire with the arena when the new arena gets done. However, I still love being up in that barn too. the portrait of the queen we already talked about and those wooden beams on the ceiling on the roof of that. And then, heck, look up at the at the rafters there and your Carlisle's and your Duguay's and the rest of them and. Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph got starts up there. I mean, there's lots to love about Sudbury. Oh, and the old rock roaster, the coffee shop across the street. Also excellent. Anyway, on the ice, you want to talk about some talent. I mean, there are, there are players up there that I like an awful lot. It goes without saying David Goyette. Then you've got Quentin Musty in there as well. And I alluded to him earlier, Joe Ranger deemed expendable in Mississauga up there to Sudbury and his nine 11 save percentage. Don't sleep on Sudbury this year. I'm going to tell you, Eastern Conference. I, you might have stole my line because the <laughs> don't sleep on them was actually what came to mind when I was thinking about the Sudbury Wolves. And again, I've seen a few predictions from, from fans and various media sources that have been have them down near the bottom. And it might be a case of what we just talked about with Peterborough, where it's a show me that you've had talent over the years, but you haven't really gotten over the top. So what's what's wrong in Sudbury that you're not getting over the top so we won't believe it we won't believe it till we see it but I'm with you I I see a fair bit of talent there and I I've seen some pretty strong I know it's preseason but I've seen some pretty strong preseason performances and results and and they have a lot going for them mangy as their wolf may be I, I still think there's a lot to to be said for that team so I'm with you don't sleep on them and they're one of a couple teams I see could make some noise uh Throw, throw the Niagara's and Oshawa's in that barrel too, where no one's expecting much, but at least one of those teams is going to do something unexpected this year. So like you said, don't sleep on them. Uh, I think we called him UPL. Uka Pekka Lukanen, the goaltender from a few years back. Forgive me for forgetting all of the right places to put all of the uh, the vowels and, and consonants there. But with just the Joe Ranger point, when you've got goaltending that's delivering for you, it just changes everything as we know. So who knows? It could be interesting. And Michael Haggy, first rounder this past uh, draft. And now all of a sudden the Sudbury Wolves say, okay, he won't sign in Kitchener, but we'll take a flyer on him. No chance he's going to show up at Sudbury. Is there, Dan? Come on. I, I don't, I certainly don't think this year, but for those of you that want to go back and look at past podcasts where we talked about the, uh, these picks for being uh, declared defected, uh, Michael Hagee, uh, I understand, has a fairly significant injury right now, so he's not even going to play for the Chicago Steel in the USHL for the foreseeable future. Um, but that's a bold move by Sudbury. Not, I guess not high risk when when the picks are mostly conditional. They're The only pick they're giving up for sure is a fourth round. Uh, pretty safe bet when you're getting a talent like that on your on your property rights. So we'll see. I, I don't think – I'd say the chances are, are – zero to to one percent this year mike but uh once you get beyond this year especially if they have a decent show me year you never know bold move by sudbury shrewd move by kitchener in my humble opinion but the kitchener rangers they play in the western conference we're going to preview the western conference on this podcast on friday and we're going to talk a little bit more about that defected player and the bounty that comes back the kitchener rangers way that guy over there is Dan Mahar. My name is Mike Farwell. Email the podcast, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. Find Dan on Twitter at Tim Wallach. I'm at Farwell underscore OHL. Another episode of the OHL podcast comes out on Friday.
Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.